Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Growing Forward Together. My name is Kenita Skripsma, and I'm the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting. We are an organization that promotes inclusion and is very passionate about helping people feel like they fit and belong and grow into their best self. We do workshops and transformational coaching and are passionate about leadership development. So you can see more of what we do at semaglobalconsulting.com. And I'd love for you to drop me a note from the contact page so we can continue our conversation offline. Um, so today's podcast is based on inclusive entrepreneurship. Inclusion is something that I am very passionate about. And even though it's part of the big buzzword phrase, diversity and inclusion, I think it often gets missed out because so many folks tend to focus on just diversity. And diversity basically means that um, there's a difference in the people that you're working with. And so, and people have differences. And so looking at what those differences are and how we might incorporate that into our workspace, our relationships, our families, our communities on the whole. So for me, I got really passionate about inclusion because I was realizing a lot of people tend to be about diversity, but they're not about inclusion because part of it is maybe they don't know how to do it or they don't know what it's going to take um, to implement some of that. So We've um, formulated some work through our website as well. You can go check that out on how to be better at promoting inclusion in your space. So as we continue that conversation today, I'm so excited for my guest. And I know I say that every time, but podcasting is just really fun when you get to meet some really cool people and share them with the world. So my guest today is Anne Partington, and she is a fellow Indian sister who is originally from um, born and raised actually here in the US in Michigan and um, her ethnicity is from Calcutta, India. And I just love um, the connection that we had from the first time we had a conversation. Uh, it was just very, very lit, if you will. We were laughing, we were talking, we were engaging. There was so much energy and I hope that you're able to hear some of that energy today and uh, from her expertise in her area. So she, Anne, is a Director of Entrepreneurial Services for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at um, in the Detroit metro area at Ann Arbor Spark. She has years of developing companies, coaching organizations on leadership, culture building, and resiliency, and She's also an expert in running highly engaged teams. And this is my favorite because it really connects to the work that we do. She is passionate about mentoring individuals to reach their potential. So please give a warm welcome to Anne. Thank you, Anne, for joining me today. I'm so excited about our time together and I hope that we can stay on track because our previous conversations have always been full of wonderful bunny trails. Um, and so we always have lots to talk about and I really, really enjoy our time together. So I'm so glad to have met you. And now I'm excited for our audience to meet you. Anne, um, tell us a little bit more about what you do and how, how, how did you get passionate about inclusive entrepreneurship? Good morning, Kanita, and likewise, uh, right back at you. I've never heard a conversation described with a fellow colleague and friend as being very lit. Just <laughs> today, I already feel elevated and will definitely communicate to my children that I am in you know, the latest sort of cool discussion as far as my oh. conversational abilities. So thank you for elevating the start of this conversation. So uh, a little bit more about me. 
um, is uh, basically, you know, I've worked for over 20 years in the manufacturing industry in various roles across the technical sphere, as well as global purchasing. I really enjoy working with people from all different uh, perspectives, dimensions of diversity, including, you know, race and age and gender and uh, physical ability, ethnicity, and all of the additional sort of attributes that go along with diversity in the broadest sense. And I had a really wonderful opportunity to explore an area that I have always been passionate about, which is innovation. And when we look at even the um, sort of the automotive space and how it has evolved from functional uh, sort of driving from getting from point A to point B to really a customer experience and what that means in terms of technology advancement and the way people use vehicles differently in different places around the world. It really sparked that, um, that passion inside of me to really explore the innovation ecosystem further. So I've been really fortunate um, in the space that I currently work in, which is uh, you know, a much broader uh, context around entrepreneurship. And um, as a second hat, I also lead diversity, equity, and inclusion activities for our organization. And we have a very broad and diverse ecosystem that we're in. So I hope that that kind of answers your, your first question and gives you a little bit of a frame of reference for where I'm coming from. Yes, it definitely does. Could you also help our listeners um, kind of hear maybe what, um, how does your personal story impact this work of equity and diversity, right? And, and inclusion, like, why does this matter to you, right? Because often we hear people, they're, they're doing the work, which is great, but what I've come to notice is when it has some personal connections, we tend to invest in it more or we're more passionate about it. And it's just something that we do all day, every day, right? So can you, would you be willing to share and as personal as you want or as private as you want? For you, Kanita, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, just, just me, just you and I, two girls having coffee. <laughs> I think that this is a really important question because for many years, to be honest with you, Kanita, I never really shared my personal life experience, but it is a definitely a big foundation of why we think the way we do. And these live life experiences that people share really can help us understand how to work together and how to build teams. So my own personal story in short form is probably quite unique and unusual as is most people's because yes. we don't really mm -hmm. take the time to peel back the onion, so to right. speak, and really get to connect with people so that that barrier can come down. And here I am, I'm gonna do this for you and probably a whole lot of strangers <laughs> that I don't know. But uh, I am the child of immigrants that came to uh, the US in 1970. Mm -hmm. My dad had uh, was eighth of nine children and his family uh, lost a lot of their belongings um, in the Independence War for India. And so they had to start back all over in Bengal. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he then went um, on scholarship to England for his master's and PhD and then arrived in the US. So um, my parents were first uh, time to the US and we had no other family. So mm -hmm. it was basically the four of us, a very small nuclear family. And for the most part, you know, it was my, what, 
you might consider to be sort of typical, you know, for an Indian family. Um, growing up in Jersey, we spent a lot of time going to Queens. Um, and, you know, I really appreciated sort of the eclectic atmosphere of the area, the cultural richness. You know, you got a chance to experience not just the Indian community there, but a very large immigrant community, the African-American community. You could hear different sounds, the music, the food system. Oh, um, the restaurant. So that was sort of my exposure. And then, um, you know, um, from there, we moved to the Midwest um, when I was a teenager. And so I had that, you know, that background uh, as well. And so um, as a child, when other families had new vehicles, and I think that was sort of my obsession with transportation too, we used to go to India every couple of years. Okay. And on the way, uh, we, my parents picked a different spot each time to stop. And my mom said, well, why should we go for two weeks when we can go for three months? And I, you know, would ask, well, what about school? And she'd say, you know, you're scrappy. You can figure it out. Oh man! So that kind of continued through eighth grade. And, and then I had to kind of say, mom, you know, I, I think it's kind of tough on me. I, I don't think I can really yeah. do two or three months anymore. But it allowed me the opportunity to connect with my ancestral roots yeah. and really get to know my extended family in a very different kind of way. So one side of my family is very service oriented, um, you know, police force, military. The other side is was much more based on you know, pure academia, even though both sides were, you know, very studied and learned. And so the appreciation for learning and the yes. thirst for knowledge yeah. and the embracing of cultural differences and really getting to know people on a one-on-one -on -one level was sort of instilled in me from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then just flipping over to sort of the professional side, you know, going to engineering school, um, 20 some years ago. So now I'm dating myself, but ah. you know, Hey, right. 40 is <laughs> the new that. 20, right. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, was, was interesting in itself because the support system for women in technical fields was, was very quite limited. And, yeah. you know, some of my peers who were absolutely outstanding individuals chose to pursue other fields where there was you know, more open opportunity, mentorship, et cetera. And, you know, I saw that kind of evolve even into the industry, but I was still obsessed with transportation. I mean, every vacation we took was all about how many modes of transportation. So my logical place and, you know, was to continue to work in the automotive space to begin. Right. Wow. That's so cool. And I'm such a connector that I'm totally connecting the dots in terms of my story and your story and how similar they are. And, you know, I was born in India and my family also immigrated to Canada, actually, in 1975. And probably for a lot of the similar reasons, I'm not 100% sure what that was about. Um, but then just really appreciating the diverse communities that we were growing up in in Canada and connecting with a variety of different cultures, right? And so that starts to help um, us also write our narrative and understand our own personal journeys and how then they impact the communities around us, right? So I love um, how you're kind of sharing that. And I think even from a girl standpoint in the Indian culture, just, I mean, you and I can have a whole nother conversation, a whole nother podcast on how to empower and equip Indian girls to flourish and to blossom and to come into their own, right? Um, yeah, make notes on that. We'll have to remember that for next time. But I think um, it's really important for us to acknowledge some of those um, narrative pieces from our stories because they do impact why we do what we do and they do impact what direction we're going to take with some of the things that we're passionate about, right? 
So when you think about diversity inclusion, right, and you're talking about more from, you've, you've shared a bit of your personal story, you've talked a little bit about what you do in terms of your job. Um, why do you think it's necessary to consider diversity, inclusion, and equity in the entrepreneurial ecosystem? So I'm introducing a new word, ecosystem, that we haven't said yet, but it's important um, if you could unpack that a little bit and just help us understand why you, based on your personal story and the work that you do, why do you think that's important for our entrepreneurial ecosystem? So there's two key elements that I'd like to kind of highlight here. The first one from a personal standpoint is that when I was 19, my dad had a catastrophic accident. And so that left him with very limited mobility. And as you are aware, probably that in the Indian culture, disability isn't talked oh, about very much, right? right? But in, you know, the ability to have transportation, to be able to access meaningful work, to continue to contribute when one's mind is completely intact, but, you know, there are severe physical challenges is not something that I was really prepared to um, have to face. But at 19, being in college and watching what my dad was going through with his spinal cord injury really inspired me to, first of all, really uh, hone what I wanted my legacy to be at a very young age, because we just don't know what life brings us as a next step or in the next day. And so the opportunity to be empathetic and really understand what someone else's live life experience might be, what their ancestral challenges might have been, the ecosystem that they have grown up in, Oh, the yeah. resources that they may or may not have had, mm -hmm. special or unique challenges inside of their family space, or maybe that they have themselves. You know, these are very broad topics, but when we think about diversity, you know, sometimes it's limited to just the discussion around ethnicity or race, but there are so many dimensions. And then how does that impact that person's ability to reach their best potential, yeah. to reach for their goals and their dreams. So, you know, uh, that's one piece of it. And then from the professional side, what I would see in these technology spaces is as our demographics are changing, our mm -hmm. customer base can evolve and for change. Sure. And, you know, the services and or goods that they're looking for may not be the things that we're assuming that they need. And so having that representation of diversity on the team is extremely important. And the inclusion comes in when we really invite people to participate, yes. to share in the problem solving, to be part of the strategy and to drive decision-making, right? Absolutely, and yeah. So I do not represent all of my Indian sisters. Hey, I, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> and so it's really important that I, you know, reach out and connect with people who have many different racial, you know, identities and backgrounds. Absolutely. And, and also even within my own ethnicity, I'm one voice. And so I'm very interested and I want to connect with and learn more from my peers because each of us have unique stories that really help shape our environments, our life stories, and the work that we do. Absolutely. And you and I are both Indian women, and we're fairly successful in the work that we're doing. And But we couldn't be more different, right? You and I have talked offline several times, and it's like, it's, it's so beautiful. We have a great connection and a lot of commonality and a lot of similarities. 
But at the end of the day, we are two Indian women with very different narratives. We were raised differently. We have different, um, you know, I, I guess in some ways we could say our cultural upbringing was different, even though we are both East Indian, you know, and we can kind of have um, conversations and laugh about some things and, and feel challenged about similar things. And yet um, that's what makes us different. And I guess at the end of the day, it's what's inside that counts because that's how we're engaging with one another. You said an interesting thing about um, how representation is important, but it's important for the people come come into the equation and come into the conversation. And in um, our work, we talk about that in the context of setting the table. And you know, how are we setting the table and who's at the table and, and who has the voice? Who's allowed to use the voice? Or even for the person that's listening, are you willing to use your voice and take that risk at that table where you have been included to a point, right? Wouldn't you say that that's kind of how it, it goes? Yes, and you make a really great point. So let's take a, 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 a moment here to kind of unpack and explore that a little bit further is, sure. you know, when we think about who's sitting at the table, and I'm going to use an automotive example, because it's a safe space for me to talk about, you know, I worked in powertrain for five years, I loved it, you know, uh, some of my peers were like, why are you going there? It's, it's about hunks of metal. What's well, about propulsion? I mean, this is how the car gets you places, right? And in, in the same way, having inclusion at the table is really important because there are so many times when many of us are the only at that table. Yes. And then we also can be champions to say, where are the other underrepresented populations that need to be part of this decision-making and how do we help open the doors for those folks to be at this table? Yes, absolutely agreed. So when we go to entrepreneurship, you know, we're looking at the way the economy is changing and the rapid increase of entrepreneurial companies and innovative solutions that are coming into play to solve problems at a very rapid pace. And so when I think about the entrepreneurial ecosystem, one of the first things that sort of comes to mind for me is, will people with different backgrounds, all of the different elements of diversity that we can consider, are they feeling like they can be welcomed with their ideas and have a place to come in to start? Now, we might not be the right champion all the mm -hmm. way through, mm -hmm. but we can connect them to someone who might be. Absolutely. I think what you're identifying is that people would feel like they fit and they belong, yes. right? They might fit in that company because of their, um, their uh, education level or their experience. They might fit because, and maybe even for their passion reasons, right? That they're passionate about cars, automotive, um, or that industry, and they're, they're there as they fit. But that sense of belonging is really the heart of inclusion. When an employee feels like they belong or a teammate feels like they belong or a, you know, a community member feels like they belong, then that just enhances and multiplies and ex exponential growth happens, right? We have a phrase that we say in our company and it's unity results in exponential growth. And when we have that sense of unity because the person feels like they fit and belong, meaning the employer is setting the table in such a way and that the employee feels like they fit and belong or that teammate feels like they fit and belong, that's unity right there. And there's gonna be exponential growth in the project, on the team, in the industry, you know, wherever they're working. I like that. Yes. So, the, you know, that concept of having diversity, inclusion, yeah. equity, <clears throat> when all three come together, you can create that sense of belonging. And when people really feel like they belong, 
they will go above and beyond because it's a place where they can bring their whole authentic self absolutely and be celebrated and embraced yeah. and that doesn't mean there aren't disagreements <laughs> it doesn't yeah, mean that awkward. that there aren't challenges but they can really find a place where they can flourish as as the authentic person that they are in 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 their whole self and their whole identity yeah that's great i think you're really highlighting the fact that um, every individual then becomes an asset to the organization right and so when we live with the mindset of wanting to be a champion for someone else or wanting to just champion that cause in that environment. Um, say you're somebody that is feeling very inclusive and you are being, you're practicing being inclusive. You can now be that champion for other people, right? It's like holding that door open. I've had many doors opened for me over my journey, but at the same time, there've been many doors I've been knocking on and they haven't opened. And so um, I think my, my goal, and I think yours is also, is that is that mindset of how do we then keep the door open? So I really love the way you've talked about it in the form of being a champion, right? To champion that and to say, if you've experienced inclusion, be a champion for inclusion in somebody else's story. And then that then helps not only you yourself, but the other person also live into their authentic self. So thank you for saying that. That's really cool. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, I would say, even say, if you haven't experienced inclusion and we all have been in situations where oh, we yeah. haven't, oh yeah, you can model what you would have liked to have seen, right? So <laughs> it's it's an opportunity and, and and then find the community where you do feel like you can be included and you belong. And you know, I wish that more people talked about that as a personal goal, you know, and that we kind of structured some tips for people around that too, because had I known that 20 years ago, you know, I might have created sort of that community for myself or sought that out, yeah. but you know, with age comes wisdom. So, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's like, if you haven't had that experience as being inclusive and we have these stories, right. But is, um, Gandhi said this, Mahatma Gandhi said this quote, right? Be the change the that change. you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for a little support? Um, but seriously, yeah, you want to be the change that you want to see. And But what people don't realize is some of the hard pain and the challenge that we have to go through to be able to then be the change, right? Yeah. I mean, I can practice being that inclusive person and setting that example, but there might be people who aren't listening or they're just, you know, ignoring it for that matter, um, because it's, too much for them to handle or they don't want the accountability or whatever the reason is. And so that process for me as somebody who is passionate about inclusion, um, I have to go through my hardships and I have to go through understanding where I'm coming from, why I'm, why I'm doing what I'm doing, why is it difficult, you know, surrendering, forgiving people and reconciling that in my own spirit. And so when I think of your work in the space that you're in, um, I would like to hear, you know, I, I think people that are listening and perhaps there are people out there who are uh, entrepreneurs and they want to venture out in this work. What are some of the best practices, but then what are some of the challenges as well that you faced in your work? So that is a very broad question for entrepreneurship. Let's talk a little bit about what are best practices, right? What, what, what do you suggest somebody who is um, wanting to be an inclusive entrepreneur? What would they need to do? So the first thing I would suggest as an entrepreneur is if you have an idea, find an inclusive ecosystem that will help you grow. So in the United States, we have, you know, a lot of different um, 
organizations around the country, as well as local economic development organizations, the Small Business Association, other community organizations that will help entrepreneurs grow. So the very first thing I would say is, you know, be open to the idea of trying different things, reaching out, and with the current situation in the global crisis, it actually has opened up doors virtually yeah. for people in many ways that, you know, um, maybe certain resources might not have been accessible before. So, you know, it's very important to find a group of people that you can connect with, preferably also peers who are entrepreneurs themselves, because you will automatically sort of find an e inclusive ecosystem because most successful entrepreneurs recognize that you have to help one another to succeed. Absolutely, collaboration so, is where it's at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the very first steps of sort of being an inclusive entrepreneur, because everyone's always worried about, oh, well, um, what if someone copies my idea or what if somebody copies my innovation if it's a product or a surface? So this is where we're going to get a little real, Kanita. Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to have to say that most ideas and most products have already been thought of by someone else. Sure, sure. So, you know, the it's really important to explore people who have similar value propositions, yeah. products that are similar, services that are similar, and sort of figure out, you know, how is this different than mine? Where am I unique? Or maybe am I taking something and I can put a little different perspective on it and move it to sure. the next needle? Mm -hmm. So I would say the first part of being an inclusive leader is sort of being open to the idea of working with people who come from all different demographics yes. who are different than us, not similar than us necessarily. <laughs> you don't want to just work with people who will say yes. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hearing some people thinking, yeah, but I only like to work with people who are like me. Right. And that's what we're saying really at the heart of all of inclusion work is to say, are you willing to interact and engage with people different than you? And what does that look like? And dealing with your own emotions and feelings around some of that and biases, of course. Right. And then you're able to venture out and um, appreciate what they're bringing to the table. So thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think coming in with a, a, a respectful approach yes. and creating that safe space of dialogue exchange having difference and um, you know, expressing that one does not necessarily agree or that perhaps in entrepreneurship, often we have to have the conversation around, is this a value proposition that's really sustainable? And that's tough for people to hear because they're looking for money, they're looking to scale, they wanna sure. commercialize, but you have to really understand your customer. So the next step of really thinking about inclusion is who are you considering your customer? And have you really been inclusive in considering who that customer is that is going to use your product? And, you know, you might be doing something local, but in today's economy with, with service um, services, you could have a customer halfway around the world, right? Uh -huh. So what is that customer's, you know, sort of demographic and need and want more importantly? And are you being inclusive in your thought process around how your product or service could be used? Are you being open to receiving that feedback and having people advise you or provide feedback that will really, you know, on the flip side, come to your table and be able to give you that feedback that can help you make actions that will help drive your business to further wow, that's sustainability. Great. Yeah, some really strong best practices. Um, 
And it is really important to consider who your customer is and model after that, right? Often they say organizations have, you know, it's like a 20% diversity rate or maybe lower, um, but your organization does need to represent the community that you're in so that you can kind of help, you know, build more of that into the, into the system, into the community. Yes. Okay. Anything else you want to share in terms of best practices about what has worked for you or um, what you've observed in your field as it relates to supporting entrepreneurs um, and some of their unique needs? Uh, well, one of the things that I learned last year, I finished an uh, innovation certification and um, hey, the Professor DeGraff, thank you. <laughs> uh, the little wins, right? Little wins, yes. little wins they all matter. Yes. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, quotes that I remember from Professor DeGraff, and I'm going to be paraphrasing, so this might be not exactly yeah. correct, is that, you know, at some point in your innovation journey, you're going to have to get into a bar fight. And I Love remember it. that. So, you know, because you, it comes to mind of like, you know, a barroom brawl or something. Yeah. Like that. But when you think about it, you know, there's got to be a time where you have some conflict. You're really trying to resolve a problem because in any entrepreneur's journey, you have to think about whose problem am I trying to solve? And am I really being realistic and open to understanding, inclusive to understanding how I am defining and really ensuring the, the broadness or maybe being too narrow in scope of whether this service or product will really solve this, this individual or sort of population subset of the problem. Yeah. And sometimes we haven't even defined the problem correctly. Fair enough. You know? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. you know, and I think either way, it's like, as you're describing these best practices and as you're talking about encouraging entrepreneurs and leaders and individuals who are passionate about going to the next level in their workspace, the word risk just screams Right. So even for you to say, yeah, you're that quote of, you know, there will be a barroom fight at some point. And it's like, man, that's the risk. Like, what are we willing to risk in order to make sure this work gets out there? What are we willing to risk to make our communities more diverse and, you know, I'll, you know, encourage more folks to feel like they fit and they belong and, you know, are feeling more included into the process. Um, but risk, a lot of people don't want to take risk. So, you know, where do you feel like risk fits in your story? So I left uh, a career that was, you know, for all purposes was chugging along just fine, you know, and yeah. it was sort of like the next, the next move. And, you know, I wanted to make sure everything was great. Um, I, in my previous job, I had, there had been six managers in two years. So, you know, I spent a lot of time cleaning that up and I had an amazing team of really diverse professionals with incredibly different ideas and worked a lot on what that inclusion meant. So for example, every week we'd celebrate the failures as well as the successes in the nice. same way. Nice. So we'd, we'd clap when someone celebrated or shared their failure story because that was an opportunity to learn. You know, yes, it's excellent. just like in the game of tennis, yep. you know, you just, or even cricket, like if we're thinking Badminton you know, over here, here ping pong. Tennis, right? <laughs> it's always about the next point. Yeah. So if you lose focus, if you lose the ability to kind of keep that inclusive foundation, then you will diverge away from potentially really getting the next point completed in a, in, in a way that helps you really move forward. Yeah. And you're describing a strategist, really, right? You're mm -hmm. saying, be a strategist, be, if you're going to grow in this inclusion work, be a strategist and kind of 
think about what's the next step. And then you take that risk of just kind of going forward. And I think at some point it really isn't a risk anymore because we've gotten in so deep. It just is what we are, like who we are, right? It's kind of our fabric, part of our fabric, our DNA. Yeah. And as far as risk goes, I think one other area to really kind of consider is who do we consider as leaders and advisors, right? If we're an entrepreneur. So we may think that we are being a little bit more uh, sure-footed if we go to someone we consider is a real expert in a field or is known for being um, a leader in a space in technology that we want to work that person probably is being contacted by hundreds, if not thousands of other people. And there's a lot of demand on their time. So think about people who can advise you or who you can work with that you might be writing off. You know, in our own minds, we have a definition of who we consider a leader and who we're inviting to the table. So every day I have a note next to my computer to remind myself that it is very important to remember that everyone is a leader. And so I just have a little note, a question on next to my desk that says, who is a leader? And, uh, and underneath it, I wrote everybody. Uh, everybody has an opportunity sure. to lead, right? You know, um, you know, sometimes I'm talking to my niece or nephew who are really young and they have a completely different perspective because they're not inhibited by their life experience. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and they'll say something and it's the darndest thing, but it sort of puts a light bulb in my head that, you know, it's like the preposition, hey, I've been trying to work around this issue for a long time, but maybe I just need to go through it, right? Yeah. Right, right. And, 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 and kids have that ability. So oh, I man, think when I think about risk also, it's, it's something that's inside of us to yeah. take the risk to reach out. So first of all, reach out. You never, you never know who might open a door for you, mm-hmm. but don't be discouraged by people who don't respond because sometimes it's, it's, it could be just a case of scheduling, et cetera. Start broadening your lens of who you're willing to talk to, who you might consider a mentor, yep. a leader, and how you build your own internal team. Yeah. Because when we build other leaders, then we're also building our you know, organization. Absolutely. And every entrepreneur wants to scale. But I'll tell you, one of the biggest challenges of scaling, and we ask this question frequently, is who do you trust enough so that you can go take this week-long course yeah. or that you can take this additional development that you need perhaps in finances or strategy work or whatever it might be? And many times the entrepreneur is a solopreneur and they'll come back and they'll say, well, I really don't have someone. So along the way, build your team and think about building the leadership team that you can trust. Yeah, I think that's really, really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Trust and safety are such an important, they're two different things, right? But they're very important elements when practicing inclusion or, you know, helping build your teams or entrepreneurship. And, you know, with that comes, sometimes disappointment because the people you think are safe aren't safe or you might trust them for a minute but then they prove to be untrustworthy and so it takes risk again to kind of continue to work on that but I really like the way how you said that like build your team and that team might not be people that are immediately in your space in your sphere but they're people like you know set the net broader and to kind of look at other places where you might. And I know for our business has been really beneficial to be on LinkedIn and to just build that community. And I've got all these amazing connections that are really helping me, you know, 
kind of challenging me, but also helping me grow and, um, you know, building my business in that way so that I can then continue to effectively pour out to other people. And so I feel like um, that's been a great place for me, but also on a day-to-day basis, having those conversations and identifying in our own selves, you know, what kind of people do we need to surround ourselves with? And I think, you know, if we're thinking friendships, for example, mildly, you know, just talking really small in that way, and we might be on a bunny trail, so I got to quit this, (laughs) is that just that, you know, finding friends that are challenging, encouraging, and have fun with, right? So, but in, in the business field, it's more like, you know, it has to be people that um, understand business, but they're ahead of us in a way on the road um, and really appreciating that, okay, they might not necessarily even be in our own industry, but they're people that have made it on some level and they've done some things. And so you've been able to share with us your best practices. Can you share two or three challenges that maybe you've had along the way that have um, maybe stopped short or called, you know, caused you to take a detour Um, I'm a big, this is not a rejection experience. This is a detour. That's how I kind of look at some things when they don't go quite the way that I need them to go or want them to go. Um, I, I have rejection in my story all over the place, but when it comes to some of these doors opening, like you said, um, the doors aren't necessarily open because maybe they're not the right door for me in that space, in that moment. Um, And so it's not a rejection, it's a detour. So can you talk a little bit about challenges um, that you've had as we you know, get close to wrapping up here. Sure. So the first one I'd like to highlight is failure. Uh, And failure in my boat is a learning opportunity. And so redefining what failure means for us is really important, right? So as a child, you know, I knew that I was not going to eat unless I got a college education, because that was what was drilled into me. Sure. And, you know, that was the the path to being able to have a sustainable economic situation as an adult. But, you know, my very first boss did not have a college degree Uh. and was absolutely a proficient and amazing body sailing engineer. So I took that life experience and was lucky enough to learn that at a very young age and understand that a degree that from 10 or 20 years ago, you know, um, it's one thing that checks a box, but it's really the ongoing education that's important. And that education, a lot of it comes from failure. So Mm. embrace failure, you know. Um, I love Angela Duxworth's TED Talk on um, grit. It's seven minutes. I had my children watch it when they were like 12 and nine. They're like, mom, like really? But, you know, I think it's very important to understand that failures are going to happen every day. And that's why I think being on a team in sports too is really helpful or some type of an organization or club where you experience failure on a regular basis. But all you're doing is adjusting to the next point, you know, like Toastmasters is a great organization as Mm -hmm. well because you're learning. And so the first one is failure and to just embrace failure and know that it's going to happen and just move through it. And, 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 and then really think about intentionally what you learn from that experience and move on. Yeah. We live by the premise that um, failure is an option. It's yes. an option because we're going to learn through it, right? I'm choosing yes. to learn through that failure. And, and I guess who defines what the failure is? Mine might yes. be different than yours. And yet still we can learn from it and share with other people. Yes. And then the two other ones are um, giving and receiving of feedback. So, you know, early in my career, I really didn't pursue mentorship um, probably for many years, although I was constantly mentoring others. So I think receiving feedback 
from a variety of folks, not just from um, a, a superior that you get once a year is really important. So those friends that you mentioned that are yes. really honest with you, yes. those peers at work, um, those organizations that you might volunteer in or enrichment um, clubs, you know, if you're a singer or whatnot, you know, ask for feedback. And yeah. the feedback can be as simple as, you know, you helped organize something, you know, what do you think went well? And where do you think I might be able to improve? I think that's, mm -hmm. that's what I would say is, you know, it's not something we're taught very young, but I think it's a really great life skill. And it shows the openness and inclusion Absolutely. of wanting to accept and understand others' perspectives and how they perceive us. And yes. that will help us shape our own identity too. Absolutely. You know, is the person I want to reflect outwardly what people are receiving and seeing? Yep, yep. And, and, and then the third one um, would be really to, you know, maintain, a, you know, a, a positive outlook. I think for entrepreneurs, it's really difficult. I know it's, it's maybe not right in the vein of, you know, the inclusion conversation, but, you know, most people come from a place of good intention. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, we all know cash flow is tight and deadlines are tough Absolutely. and you're just racing around the clock to scale. And so, you know, I think maintaining a positive attitude through regular self-care having a really great routine, whether that involves meditation, exercise, your support network, entrepreneurs tend to spend a lot of time alone. Yes. And so having the ability to be a resilient and positive leader also means that self-care has to be part of that great equation as you build your company. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That is really good. Great, powerful stuff. I think, you know, when you said giving and receiving feedback, I just want to encourage folks if they're listening still that um, when someone asks for feedback, it's because they really want it. Right. So it, and, and on the flip side, I think people are afraid to give it because they don't want to hurt feelings. And if, but, if someone's really asking for it, it's not about feelings anymore. It's about the work that they want to improve and they want to do a good job, um, me included. And so uh, when I when I would love to get feedback on this um, podcast and the other work that we've been able to do um, so that we can continue to make it better, right? Um, and then maintaining a positive outlook. I think that has a lot to do with what you said in your very first statement around best practices is build an inclusive ecosystem. Right. If we have an inclusive ecosystem, that's people we're surrounding ourselves with people that will help us grow forward and that will help us develop our gifts and strengths and um, our talents, then we are going to have an easier time maintaining that positive outlook because we're surrounding ourselves with those folks. So I think just with that thought, I wanted to tie that up nicely to say, you know, from your best practices to your challenges, to the way that you're doing your work, I thank you so much. And for the hard work that you have invested in this work of inclusive entrepreneurship, I think people have been definitely encouraged, empowered and equipped well today in our, with our time together. Are there any closing thoughts that you might want to have today? Well, Kenita, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be here today with you. And, you know, I would just leave with this as an entrepreneur, expect failure, uh -huh. you know, pick yourself up, be encouraged and expect, you know, engagement 
and excellence. You will get there. It just takes time. It sure does. Thank you so much, Anne. What a blessing. And I've made some notes and I've got some ideas for future conversations with you. So <laughs> online or offline, whatever. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds great. Thanks for being with us today. Um, Thanks for having we me. We appreciate everything um, that Anne has shared today. And uh, she has shared some links that we, you will find at our blog site at SEMA Global Consulting on the blog and podcast page. So be sure to check out uh, what's happening over there and how you might get in touch with her for your company, for your organization. If you're an entrepreneur and you need a few more tips on um, some things that you heard today, you know, feel free to contact her. Her personal contact information will be there as well. And her LinkedIn uh, bio will be up as well. So for sure, you'll be able to reach her that way. Um, in the meantime, I just want to say thank you for joining us um, during this time together. And um, here's to growing forward together as we continue to spark inclusive entrepreneurship or just being more inclusive in our communities and in our relationships. Thanks for joining us and have a blessed day.